0: Osweiler in trouble. Osweiler brought down Khalil Mack. Oh, here comes Bullshot. Drifter without a helmet. J.J. Watt will always put his fingerprints on a game. Steps up and he's going to be hit from the side and he's going down. That's a sack. Darius Leonard, the maniac. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Trench Warfare Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne, and this podcast is presented by Blue Wire. I am excited about today's show. I'm not going to do too lengthy of an intro here because the interview that I have for you guys went a little bit longer, but this interview was honestly one of my most enjoyable experiences doing a podcast so far, just because the guest was so generous with his time and just his insight really um, and it seems to, be, to me at least when I do these interviews the guys who are retired they tend to be a little bit more freewheeling and talkative and just um, kind of you know more willing to disclose information about their profession which is understandable uh, but my guest today is former Philadelphia Eagles left tackle Trey Thomas who played for 12 years in the NFL. He was one of the most durable NFL offensive linemen, uh, left tackles in particular, ever really. Um, 168 starts in that time frame. 10 of his 12 years, he started uh, 15 games or more, um, multiple time pro bowler. And he played in the golden era of left tackle play in the NFL. Jonathan Ogden, Orlando Pace, Walter Jones, Willie Rofe, him. Uh, Tariq Lynn, you know, some other underrated guys, uh, so um, his insight was really tremendous, and a lot of it was applicable to today's game, and just to playing offensive line in general, so uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one, um, and hopefully you'll kind of dig into some of the best left tackles to play the game in the 90, late 90s, 2000 time frame, because that's kind of where... Trey played um, but it's it's definitely worth going back and looking at it and kind of you know just digging around a little bit on the on the numbers and and uh, you know it's 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 a fun era of football uh, especially in the trenches because guys were just so much bigger back then I mean Trey was you know he is 67 and um, I think at the when he when he played uh, at least you know online he's around 350 uh, and most guys were you know 330, 340, 350 playing tackle um back then you know or a lot of the guys i don't know about most but definitely significantly more than today Uh, there's very few of those guys even around now um but yeah so it's it's a lot of fun to talk about a different era of football with one of the best guys to ever play the position uh so hopefully you guys will get something out of this and enjoy this interview with trey thomas all right, everybody. I'm really excited today to have this interview with Trey Thomas, former Philadelphia Eagles and Florida State left tackle. Played 12 years in the league, um, and you know we're just going to talk about some of that. But Trey, just thank you so much for doing this. And how are you doing today?
1: Man, I'm doing good, man. Just enjoying another beautiful day, man. You know, uh, life is good. I mean, it, in, in hard times like this, you know, still, yeah. you know, it's it's you know things are good, man. My family is good. We're safe. So, you know, we're just trying to, you know, keep pushing.
0: It. Yeah, I hear you, man. That's that's good to hear. Um, and, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's kind of nice to be able to do something like this, especially in a time like this, you know, just kind of talk about football and, uh, you know, something that can mm-hmm. make everybody kind of feel a little bit better and, you know, kind of get, get us ready for the NFL season, which seems to be happening, um, which is also really good news. Um, but mm-hmm. – yeah, I just I wanted to have you on because, you know, I, we follow each other on Twitter. And, you know, you started a YouTube page yeah. recently, um, or at least, you know, you're starting to post uh, videos kind of breaking down the game. And uh, it's called In mm-hmm. the Trenches with Trey Thomas. So I recommend everybody check that out. But tell, tell us a little bit about that and your idea behind that.
1: You know what, man, it's something that I've always wanted to get into. Like, I always wanted to just sit down and teach people the game from an offensive lineman's perspective. Because just like, you know, man, like every time, you know, people watch the game, you know, when you're watching it on TV, you just see a big pile and then the running back just takes off. Or you see uh, the quarterback has time and then the ball is in the air and then you see the receiver make that big catch and it's a touchdown. But you really get a chance to see – it, from an offensive lineman's perspective where you understand that every run, every run block is designed, drawn up to get that running back to the safety. And if it's executed perfectly, the running back can hit an inside zone or outside zone and take it to the house if he only has a deal with one player. So when you can have someone sit down and really explain to you, look, it was this backside combination block that got this. They made the right call. You got their front side combination block there. They had to open up the front side of it, and the backside was there available, which leads them to the safety touchdown. So, you know, just want to show people that aspect of it. You know, uh, but for me to do that, I knew that there had to be like a football one-on-one part of it because you can't just go straight into like, hey, man, this was a combination block here. Let's go. That's what we did. You know, so I wanted to kind of have like a – or break it down to the basics, explain, like, front, personnel, and then now start talking about um, set lines, um, and then, you know, start talking about different defenses that you're dealing with, and then we'll start breaking down the slide protection rules because I think that once people understand that, you'll understand why the blitz came. You know what I'm saying? So just kind of just trying to teach people just a, a different aspect of the game. And, like, I tried to tell people all my, from my first episode, it's not for the casual viewer, you know. So, you know, if it's something that you really want to start learning what's going on in the game, then, yeah, you know, that's that's what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, I think that's really cool and much needed, really, in the football space uh, because there is such a misunderstanding, I think, with offensive line play. And it's something that I'm on an ongoing pursuit of learning more about. So I'm really excited to uh, see what you have coming on that YouTube page. Yeah, man.
1: But- it's because everybody they don't understand how technical it is. You know, you just feel like, oh man, it's just a bunch of big guys out there, and they just make it work, and they're just pushing guys around. But no, it's in the technique that goes to it. It's a certain number of steps that has to take place when it happens. It's the timing of the punch. It's the way you set. It's what you do with your inside foot. All of that plays into what's happening within two to two point five seconds because you got to get a quarterback time
0: right yeah absolutely it's you
1: know and that's just talking protection you know but uh yeah
0: right right yeah there's so many levels to it it's layered there's a lot of nuance and that's kind of what drew me to it you know i just played a little in high school or whatever before i joined the military and always kind of stuck with offensive line and just loving the position and then Mm -hmm. had a chance over the last five years or so to really kind of study it and be around Mm -hmm. some players and stuff like that and it's just it's incredible the amount of detail that goes into it and uh it's it's like i said just an ongoing pursuit of knowledge that's never going to end you know and it's uh that's kind of what mm-hmm. makes it fun to, to to learn about really
1: yeah and then it's always something changing you know you gotta because once you get the rules and you understand all right you know uh if we're if we're on the passing strength you know you kind of understand what safety rotation you start making the right calls with offensive line, there's a discipline to it. So you have to be able to make the right call, and then everybody has rules. And if, once you start breaking away from those rules, that's when you start seeing problems, especially when it comes to the blitz game.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I, you know, I was wondering. So I've been watching film, like coaches tape, you know, all 22 since really 2014. You know, and I've, I've gone back uh-huh. and went to like 2010 and watched some guys. I'm, I'm really watching Donald Penn really closely right now, his whole career. I'm doing something with him, but, um, you know, so I've watched some older tape, but you know, you left the league in 2009 and, you know, I watched as a casual fan when you were playing, you know, for your 12 years, basically. So I didn't get to see the coach's tape, you know, the end zone copy, and I didn't really get to Mm -hmm. study anybody, you know, obviously at that time, I wish I, I'd pay good money for that tape now, honestly. (laughs) Um, but Mm -hmm. you know, so going back to your game specifically when you played because i you know i'm not super familiar with it obviously watching it how i did um, you know in comparison to today one one thing that i'm so interested in for left tackles and offensive tackles in general is a lot of guys today they vary their pass sets depending on you know the protection the opponent when you played did you have a couple like what were your your sweet spots as far as like the pass sets that you utilized and did you alternate them throughout games or you know just so you didn't become predictable to the opponent?
1: Well you know what for me I didn't uh I was a vertical setter. You know, so you know I always got into learning how to count steps, understanding from what which which uh from their stance, where we're gonna make contact, because if you're a vertical setter, the weakness of that set is a bull rush. So you know you guys, you have to be able to, uh, you know, know when that contact is coming and also be ready for different moves, but it helps you when it comes to game. Um, Every now and then, if it was like a three-step drop, I would get out there and jump him. But for the most part, I tried to play vertical just because, you know, that made it a lot easier for me as a player.
0: And it's vulnerable to the bull rush because you're actually getting closer to the quarterback and his drop and it's a narrow.
1: Yeah, because you, right? yeah, you're going straight back. So you're trying to go as straight back as possible. So, but, I mean, when it comes to games and stuff like that, I mean, you're spot on, you know, just because you don't create a lot of space between you and the um, and the guard, you know what I'm saying? So, like, if you're sitting at a 45 as a tackle, and this is something I'm releasing today, um, actually, because I'm going to be talking set lines in my um, trench talk that's going to be coming out this week. Um, mm-hmm. So, when you see a tackle, when you talk about, all right, 45-7 versus vertical-7, all right, so – that's meaning that that tackle is setting at a forty-five degree angle. It doesn't matter. Guards are already supposed to be setting at a forty five. If you got a damn guard that's setting vertical, he needs to be sitting in his lawn chair next to me. You know what I'm saying? Because he's not gonna last long in this game setting <laughs> verticals. Not against these these monsters that's not their defensive tackle. But your guards are supposed to be setting forty five. Now your center, he has to be able to set forty five both left and right and also straight back, just in case he has something that he has to kinda of have that late read to. Um but you know to me, once you start setting 45, then that now you create space between you and the guard. So now you're susceptible to TEs. You know what I'm saying? So when I'm talking about a tackle in, I'm talking about defensive tackles that are designed to – that defensive end is going to take that tackle upfield a little bit. He sets that at 45. The defensive tackle is only aiming for that offensive tackle's inside hip ricochets off of him because he sets at a 45. He can't come back in to redirect. And the guard has to hold on because he's late. You know what I'm saying? So setting at a 45 at times, even though it can be used in the game, I'm not saying vertical is the only way. But if you live and die by it, you're going to have some problems, especially when it comes to games.
0: So do you think part of the reason why you were able to have so much success with the vertical set is because of your size? Because you're a huge dude and not a lot of – of tackles playing today were the size you were?
1: Oh man, all of us were here, heavy back then, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, you had Orlando, Pays, all of us, uh, Flozell, Adams, uh, my man. Uh, man Ogden, uh, Rose. Yeah, big Ogden out there, man. Hell, all of us were about 340, 350, three forty, three fifty. 340, You know what I'm saying? But then, you know, the game started getting leaner. you know, now guys out there playing at, like, 315, you know, they look like, you know, it's totally different. But, you know, even Chris Sanders, Chris Sanders was pretty light, but uh, he probably probably played around 320, you know. But, yeah, man, you know, the game has definitely changed. But, man, you know, I think that that helped. But also, too, I had a good coach, man. Like, Juan really focused on punch. You know, I think what made it successful for me as being a vertical setter, yeah, my weight helped. But also too, I was a puncher instead of a grabber. You know what I'm saying? So okay. at tackle for me for me at offensive line, period, I feel like you need to be punchers. You know what I'm saying? Because if you sit out there and you try to grab, defensive linemen are too tactical when they come in with that with that butt and go, or they come in with the one hand stab. If you keep getting caught grabbing, then now all those bull rushes gonna come, they can get you off balance, hit you with a um hit you with that club move, you know what I'm saying? Like look at that move. Did you see? Uh, I just posted a clip today with uh, Fletcher Cox, and I was talking. his Hump Day, you know what I'm saying? Fletcher Cox hit my man, the guard in da- out of Dallas, with a hump move, man. I mean, it was nasty because he took the wrong set line as a guard, didn't punch, and got caught. Where Fletcher Cox gave him a three-step move, and he's setting back and giving him momentum. And I mean, Fletcher Cox hit him with a nasty club move that you know it, it, it was embarrassing for a guard. But you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I forgot where I was going. I just got to talking, and I forgot which direction I was going.
0: in. <laughs> no, the the vertical set with your size, and just you know, if players today maybe don't do the vertical set as much. I know there's a lot to it, but part of it because maybe they don't have the size to hold up to those bull rushes like you did. That's one reason why. Well, maybe more 45. I think.
1: Yeah, I think you. I think that. You'd have to change it up. Now, I'm not saying that you, you have to go all vertical all the time. Right. That, that's not what I'm saying. Now, for me, that's how I played it. Right. But I would switch it up depending on, you know, different rushes, depending on who I'm going up against, depending on what stance it is. Knowing what I know now, I would definitely give you a mixture of both. You know, I would I would change it up a lot, you know, depending on his stance, what his the rushes' tendencies are, uh, how close he is to me. If I'm on the front side of the play versus the back side of it, am I on the front side where the passing strength is to my outside? Because if so, then you got to expect that that possible, you might have a nickel blitz. If you're on the front side of that slide protection, you can't set at a 45 because now what if that nickel comes? Your ass is done. You see what I'm saying? So that's where you start changing. Okay. You know what? Am I going to be a little bit more aggressive here? Am I going to set a little bit more patient, set it at a vertical? What are, what are their tendencies? So, you know, I mean, there are different ways of playing it. I, spe- I think I wish that, I would have played the game the way I see it now. My game, my career probably could have been even better because of the way I just study it and see it now.
0: So yeah, a little bit more about your career that I think is really notable. You had 168 starts. Is that correct?
1: Yes, yeah, something like that. Yeah. You know,
0: is that just regular season? Yeah, just regular season. I believe it's 160. Okay,
1: but no, but but please don't leave out all my playoff runs because I played in every game that we went to the playoffs. So okay. you know, yeah, don't don't leave those out. <laughs>
0: All right, I I don't have those numbers written down in front of me, but I don't want to discount that at all. Um, I, yeah. I, really, what I'm trying to say is, you know, you ten of your 12 years in the NFL, you had 15 or more starts regular season, and that's pretty incredible. Your your the level of durability that you had is seldomly seen even to today in today's game, where it's probably a little less physical, um, and guys are you know not as big and things like that. So what what do you think was you know, the reasons for you, your durability in the time that you played, because it's, it's pretty incredible.
1: Um, prayer, number one. I think, you know, we, my wife and I, we were always in prayer, man. You know, we always made sure that we did everything to keep myself strong um, spiritually and mentally. And then um, from there, man, I always made sure I trained and played hard. And then from, I always made, I w- made sure I wore knee braces. I think knee braces were uh, extremely uh, helpful in me playing as long as I did, you know, and not having to miss as many games. Like anytime we put pads on, I would put on those big Don Joy knee braces and go to work, you know. And um, I think that really uh, helped me or kept me strong throughout the season because, I mean, most of the time when offensive linemen go down it's because they blew out a knee. And it happens all the time where guys are rolling up on you or um, the quarterback gets knocked into your knee or whatever it is. It's always something – when it's it's, it's it's it could be friendly fire but i always made sure that i wore knee braces whenever i put my pads on i think that had a big uh uh it was a big factor in me being able to play as long as i did and make as many games because i never really had any knee issues um i've only had maybe two knee scopes so i don't i'm not one that's walking around with those big differences and i think that's what you see seeing now out of some of the younger offensive line that i don't understand why they go through college wearing knee braces their entire college career and then get to the pros and now you don't want to wear it. So you don't think friendly fire is going to happen in the pros when you're digging, dealing with even bigger and more athletic bodies in the trenches? So, I mean, I think for that, you need to make sure if you want to last long in this game, you need to wear knee braces. It's not a fashion show out there, especially if you're out there in those trenches. Let the little cats be out there looking sweet. You need to look like a tank when you come out there to go to war.
0: <laughs> I love that. Okay, yeah, that's that's awesome. So, uh, I kind of want to talk about the era that you played in because really you could talk about it as being a golden age for left tackle play in NFL history really. Um, and I think that I mean, that's part of why maybe, you know, guys like you or uh, Tariq Glenn is another guy who I remember playing for the Colts who who kind of got overlooked because there's guys out there like Orlando Pace and Ogden you know, these guys, you know, that just really kind of had the, the mainstream attention. But, you know, when you played mm-hmm. back then, did you study these guys when you were, you know, during the week or in the off season or anything like that? Did you try to pick things from their game or did you just watch them as a fan or anything like that?
1: Not really, man. As a player, man, my head was so down. Like, I really didn't even watch outside of what I was had to do. You know what I'm saying? So, as if I knew, I, of course, you know who you guys are, but it's not something where I would sit around and watch them. You know, I was always focused on who I got to get ready for, you know, so especially during the season. I don't have time to look at anybody else. And then during the off season, I would always, Juan and I would kind of sit back and go back and watch what, we, what happened this past year and let's retool it because now, you know, we didn't have all of those rules that are uh, available now where you can't get all this time with the coaches or can't get out on the field with the coach man, I would only take maybe a couple weeks off and, all right, let's get back into it. Let's see what we need to do to get better for next year. And it's working on posture. If it's working on timing, if it's working on when to punch, how when to let those hands go, um, you know, it just started building the catalog from the guys that I was going to be dealing with. But I never really watched anybody else as their game.
0: Okay. So for your film study and preparing for pass rushers, because again, you know, the competition back then, Even though right now I think edge rushers and defensive tackles are very, very deep. Even then, I mean, looking at the Pro Bowl list for, for instance, uh, 99, you know, guys like Jason Taylor, uh, Javon Curse, you know, Simeon Rice, guys like this. And you had a guy, Hugh Douglas, who was a monster on your team. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. how did you go about your film study on these guys? Like, can you just kind of talk a little bit about maybe some of the notes you took or what you looked at or you know, kind of the things that you tried to focus on?
1: Well, you know, as we, continue, as we can continue to progress through it, man, Juan and I, you know, Juan started, you know, teaching us how to count stuff. So A lot of times when you're out there at the edge, you know, you hear this old school mentality from offensive line coaches where, you know, have you ever heard the term where they say when, when you see their shoulders, that's when you let your hands go, when you punch? I have. You heard. know, have you, have you ever heard? Huh? I have, yeah. Okay, well, you know, so – in reality, if I wait until the shoulders are turned, then I'm already too late. You know what I'm saying? You, you, your hands are late. Now he's already coming at you. Now you're in reaction mode. You're not, you're not in control at all. You're going to be catching now. So what we started doing is um, Juan just started looking at, all right, what kind of stance is he in? All right, so where will we make contact? And taking your, st- your set based off of what you're going to see from his stance. So, you know, if it was going to be a vertical set, depending on which foot he had back, I would get to three. And once I get to my third kick, I'm shooting my hands. And you got to trust it. So you get the one, two, three, shoot hands, bam. And then now if he's coming at you, if it's one of those stab moves, you're punching him on the way out. You know what I'm saying? Now there are times where if they came in with a one-hand stab, then we started working where you have to knock that hand down with your inside hand. You know what I'm saying? Just the timing that has to go in with that. So you want to punch the near point. If they only give you just straight, if they stab in and then come out, how to punch that near point, extend them a little bit, and then now get ready to run in by the quarterback. So we just started working on a lot of that of when to, how to set, especially with vertical, it was just the timing of making sure when to do what.
0: Right. No, that's, that makes sense. That's, that's really good insight there. I love the level of detail that you guys – uh, talked about, and I think I remember you posting on Twitter something about the steps and uh, counting steps mm. and things like that. I think that's fascinating and something I want to learn more about as well. That might be something interesting to you know do something with your YouTube page. That would that'd be really cool to to hear you go more in detail on that. Really.
1: Um, oh, absolutely. I, I plan, on, but see, right now, I mean, you know, we got we, we this is one on one right now. You know, saying so like we're going to get into the fine two but I got to get you to understand. Uh, you know, what's happening with the fronts and the slides, and you know, why you take that set first. Then now we can get into, all right, now the finer details, because now you'll understand, okay, this is why he's setting this way. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I don't want to just go censor it. I want want you to understand the basis of it, why we're doing it, where the passing strength is, because now that determines, all right, if he has his inside flip back, now we can do this particular set, or we can do it a different type of way based off of what the the entire picture presents
0: no i got i'm not trying to rush you or anything i i get your <laughs> it, it makes sense i'm just you know i, I don't yeah. get ahead of ourselves here I, i'm just excited about all yeah. talking about that's all but no, it's coming
1: I, though but it's coming yeah
0: yeah no for sure so you know a guy like i'm just curious you know in practice or whatever like how was it going against hugh douglas you know somebody who a lot of people don't talk about anymore but he had a really good nfl career he got to philly your rookie year after playing for the jets mm-hmm. for a few years did you guys have some battles in practice and did you you feel like you know you guys hell, yeah better
1: yeah yeah i mean every er, every week you know what i'm saying like back you know especially the training camp hell it was every man for so, hey we got to go after there i know we all the same team but this is where we get better. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it was always good battle against you because he had that energy which is just going to keep coming. And, I mean, we going at it, you know. Back then, you know, when one-on-ones uh, happened at, at a football practice during training camp, all the media is going to come down there because they want to see what's happening in the trenches. Right. Forget the little deep bomb pass against corners. Everybody wanted to see that one-on-one pass pro uh, time that we would have. And it, it was always – Really good battles. And that's one thing that I really appreciate throughout my career. The defensive ends that I would practice against, man, made me so much better. I know my career wouldn't be anything without what they presented every week because they made, made by the time I got to the game, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I had already had some, you know, good work. So I went into every game feeling like, all right, let's get it because I've already prepared against some really good rushers. And I always felt like, you know, man, a, a great boxer, imagine his sparring partner. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that that really helped me throughout my career is that I had, like, Derek Burgess. Um, man, my memory is a little dicey, so I can't even, like, Jerome McDougall, Green. I mean, you know, just, you know, Trent Cole when he was young. Derek, Did I say Derek? Derek Burgess already. You know, it's just always good catch. The, yeah. and Andy Kalou, guys that I could practice against that, you know, gave me some good work throughout the weekend. You know, back then, Wednesdays and Thursdays for us was in full pads. And Wednesdays and Thursdays, was once you got the team pass and all that, it was, you know, a nice, a nice pace. You're not just out there just, hey, I got my man. I'm good. now, yeah. <laughs> it's coming. And Juan was just one of those type of players, coaches that when, you know, whenever we, everybody else was on break, we had uh, some of those backup defensive linemen going against us and, uh, you know, just getting that extra work in, even after practice. Having guys get extra rushes, and man, throughout my career, man, I even did I did pass sets against uh, Ike Reese, you know, just a, a smaller linebacker. I even did pass sets against Reno Mahe, one of our running backs, just so I could get that speed spin move. So you know, we did a lot of stuff like that just to kind of keep, keep us ready.
0: Wow, that's that's really really cool to hear. And you're talking about Juan Castillo, right? Who I just got, he just got the Bears job, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. He's been he's been around for a while. So, yeah, man.
1: You know, one of the best coaches I've ever had, man. Absolutely. You know, he really, you know, just right out the gate just you know, as someone that comes straight into the game. I was really glad that uh, that that the Eagles selected me. You know, I remember my rookie year, you know, he, he, uh, when I you go and visit all the different teams and um, I went in, you know, as soon as I got into the vet, you know, he took me out on the field and had me doing pass sets. You know what I mean? I'm fresh off the plane. And he's like, look, man, this is what I want to do. Let's do some pass sets real quick. And we started kind of going over vertical set and all that, man. And, you know, just to have him as a coach throughout my career, you know, for those 11 years was just amazing. Taught me so much about the game. and just, you know, really helped me with um, just, you know, I never went into a game feeling ill-prepared. You know, if I got beat, it's just because I got beat. You know, it wasn't something where I I didn't – I wasn't prepared or I, I just had questions on something.
0: Yeah. So the last thing I want to talk about, which I'm probably most excited about is just a little bit about your time at Florida State, because I grew up in Florida. And really, those Florida State teams in the 90s, man, is what kind of grew my love for the game. And you were somebody on those teams with a lot of talent. I mean, people talk about Miami back in the day, you know, who obviously had a ton of talent. uh, But I mean, I think people Mm -hmm. forget about what you guys had. It was incredible. And I always gravitated towards Florida State. So, um, I mean, what do you what do you remember? You know, when you think back to that time on those teams and the players you played with and things like that, like what what stands out to you when you think about it?
1: Hey, it was just a grind at Florida State. I think that you know, going to Florida State really helped me uh, with with getting me prepared to go into the NFL. I think you know, making it I, if, uh, coming out of Florida State, man, I. I I felt like I had a chip on my shoulder, you know, like Florida State helped harden the skin. I always feel like, you know, um, when it comes to get a professional, well, athletes in general, you know, you have to. Uh, I, I'm cool with if you get broken down as a player and then built back up, you know. And I think Florida State was a hard enough environment for me for me to come in, develop myself, uh, take my licks, and then get me in a nice mental mental mind frame to to get into the league because, uh you know, you, you, when you step in and you start it right out the gate, you know, you got to have, you know, a, a, a nice mental set about you. And I think going to Florida State really helped me with that, with just the guys I was practicing against all the time. When you got Peter Boulware, Renard Wilson, Andre Wadsworth, Greg Spires, um, Julian Pittman, you know, and, like you know, Derek Alexander. When I first came in, they brought me in as a defensive end, and then I had the red shirt after my freshman year so i had to learn offensive tackle you know so um i think that just being in that process really helped me you know and i took a lot of lumps and you know i had to get up and i said all right let's go let's keep moving because that's one thing when it play comes to playing offensive line i mean you're gonna get your ass kicked and that's gonna happen to everybody you know what i'm saying so you're gonna have to learn from it and i think that process going to florida state really helped me develop and get me you know Get me get me ready to go uh um, move forward into the next step, man, and just, you know, get my get my NFL career going.
0: And one of the most incredible things about the teams you were on, I'm looking at the ninety-six roster, for instance. You the offensive tackles just it was you and Walter Jones on the same team. That is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, man. Walter Jones was only played one year and was out of there. Like he had to sit for one year and I think he came in, started that one year, and we were like in a rotation um my junior year where it was me, i think uh walter todd fordham and i and then um we had a rotation going and then walter went head on and, and got on out of the next year and then i followed suit the year the uh, following year
0: was walter kind of just like one of the freakiest guys you've ever seen
1: yeah man he was just one of the big cats that could anchor real well extremely fast extremely athletic you know um uh, he played a different game. You know, when you go back and you look at Walter Jones' game, he was a jump setter. And, I mean, you know, back then you could set it at 45. If you had good lower body, you can redirect, come out of some bad situations. Jump setting was the way to go for him. And uh, he played it really well. I think he and a young Jason Peters had played like kind of a similar style game and was extremely good at run blocking, had a good low center of gravity, extremely athletic. You know, but, um, yeah, man, Just I think Walter Jones was extremely talented out there.
0: Yeah. All right, Trey. Well, I don't want to take up more of your time. I really appreciate you doing this, and I know the listeners are going to love it. And uh, just go ahead and plug, you know, where people can find you and, you know, what, whatever you want to talk about because I think pe- more people need to be listening to what you're talking about with offensive line.
1: Well, yeah, man, you can follow me at, um, at Trey Thomas, um, on Twitter, and then, think uh, what is it, at Trey Thomas 72? I don't even know, man, I don't know my Twitter. Man. But anyway, look me up, I mean, I ain't hard to find, and then, um, uh, you know, in the trenches with Trey on them, uh, with my YouTube channel, so, yeah, man, that's pretty much it, I, and I just enjoy educating people on this game, man, and, you know, it's good to kind of give, give that offensive line a, a, a little spotlight, give somebody to really teach you, because I don't want to just show you how, like, I want to show you why it works.